Hi everyone, my name is Harry and you are listening to Chats in My Flat, a glimpse at conversations happening on my sofa. I'll be talking to people about pop culture, who they are, and what's been going on in the world over the past week. In today's episode, I'm joined by Sam Holt. We talk about whether you should work for free as a student in the creative industries. Sam tries to sell me on why The Lion King is the greatest movie ever made, and we give some tips on how to grow up big and strong like us. So come sit on my sofa with me, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and get ready to have a chat in my flat. So hi, Sam. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm good. Good. Uh, so the first thing that kind of strikes me is this is actually the first time we've sat and had a face-to-face conversation. Yeah, for sure. We've, I think I think I think we met very briefly on the stairs once. Yeah, and I kind of knew about you from seeing you pop up on Nico's Instagram every now and then, and then I kind of followed you, and we we've spoken on Instagram, and and that was it. And so now for the first time, uh, we're sitting down having a little chat. So you are a photographer, videographer, musician, brand content creator. Is there anything you can't do? Is that for my Instagram profile? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, predominantly a photographer. Um, have been since, oh, I can't remember. I think I was about 13 when I got into it. Mm-hmm. Probably about 16 when I started getting serious. And like, I was like, okay, I want to do this as a career. Yeah. Uh, took it as a GCSE and an A-level and now studying at Ravensbourne. Uh, same place as you. Uh, video-wise, I started out shooting music videos for mates and things like that. Yeah. Um, eventually got a couple of paid gigs shooting music videos. And recently, so this leads on to the brand content creation stuff, is a lot of brands actually want um, more video footage than photos. At the moment. I don't know why. Yeah. Like it's, IGTV, Instagram stories. I think that's what it is. I think it's Instagram's algorithm prefers video over photo content, mm. which is wild because photo was kind of what they started with. And it's, it's really interesting that I've noticed a lot as well when I get approached by kind of smaller, smaller brands or smaller companies. It's like, can you do video as well? And I'm like, no, I can't because yeah. I have no idea where to start. Um, I guess it's, it's a really good tool to have. And it's, it's, it does seem a little strange to me that now, like you said, a lot of brands want video as well as photo. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's kind of annoying to me that right. I'm doing a lot more video work than photo work. And yeah. I sort of, it just takes so much longer to do. Like video editing takes 10 times longer than yeah. editing a photo um, or a set of photos because, well, two things. Number one, it's longer form. So yeah. you're going to have seconds of video, minutes of video, as opposed to just a still frame. Uh-huh. Also, when a client wants changes done, it's not as easy as, oh, adjust the white balance, export that photo again, send it off. It's going to be like, oh, can we cut this? Can we cut that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Can we add this effect over it? Blah, 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 blah. This all needs to happen. Then you've got to re-export the whole video. So one of the projects I'm working on at the moment is like a an IGTV documentary yeah. on a gym um, that's been built in Victoria. When they want a change done to the video, you've got to go through and re-export a whole 10-minute video again, which... It's just annoying because one photo when exported is like 15 megabytes-ish. Yeah. A video 
like of that size exported is going to be upwards of a gigabyte. Yeah. And to send that constantly, it takes so much more time because you've got to wee transfer it to them. And yeah, it no, just, exactly. it's an absolute ball ache. What you, I mean, what you said about the kind of clients wanting adjustments and things, you still obviously get that with photos because uh, there's always going to be dust and crap on a backdrop or whatever. And yeah. It's it's funny that I've noticed a lot. We we, we both assist um, Hanina. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And a, a lot of the time, it's so interesting to me that a client will straight away be like, oh, but we can just retouch that out. And it's like, it's then <laughs> yeah. immediately is the yeah. like, is adding to the kind of expectation on the creative. Um, and I guess it is the same with video. It's like, you know, oh, we can just cut that or oh, that can yeah, just be. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, talking about Hanina and the, the whole sort of client oh, we can just fix that later. Yeah. We, I, I had a sort of a lengthy debate with a client on set because lighting is sort of my speciality. <laughs> sounds and sounds uh, like it's a disaster waiting <laughs> to happen. It was it was just for like e-com. Um, and I'm not going to mention any brands or anything like that, but we spent a while trying to figure out what their previous photographer and studio assistant had used lighting-wise. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah and they... We we spent ages trying to figure this thing out. Um, we I was absolutely convinced that they had brought down like the highlights in post mm -hmm. because the background was lit, the model was lit. She was a little bit darker on one side of her face, so we knew that one side was going to be brighter. And I, I was absolutely convinced. And the client was like, "Oh yeah, we can just you know just do what you want to do mm -hmm. in the studio." So I was like, "Okay, right." I sat down at the computer. <laughs> went on the curve thing and just brought down that top end a little bit. And um, it was exactly, it was exactly the same. Yeah. So when the, sometimes when the client doesn't know exactly what they need, that's when post-production can be really useful. Yeah. But I would rather get it done there and then, you know? Yeah. I think, um, it's, it's always interesting when you are face to face with a client in that situation, especially shooting e-com because it's so intense for the whole day and you've got so much to get done. And it's like the longer you spend faffing around at the beginning, trying to get everything how you want it, the more you eat into your time that you can actually shoot and produce the content they want. But it's it's kind of a necessary evil because you want, at the end of the day, the client to be happy. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a kind of healthy debate with them about no, quite, what's yeah. possible. You've got you to tread carefully. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't want to fuck up for the photographer either. No. Because you don't want to say, actually, no, you're wrong and I'm right. No, exactly. Because then that's right. going to look bad on whoever you're assisting. When did sure. you first start assisting Hanina? Uh, first year. Yeah. First year of uni. Uh, so a couple of years ago. I, I can't remember what our first shoot was, actually. I think it might have just been like a location thing for... It, it wasn't in a studio. Yeah. It was definitely like a small, like North London clothes brand or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then leading on from that, the, I think the biggest production shoot we've done together was for Nike. Yeah. Was the, um, the hype bay. Yeah. 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 Shoot in, in, uh, just North of Shoreditch somewhere. Um, that was incredible. Um, and Hanina, I'm sure, you know, she's just so energetic and just smashes yeah, it every smashes time. It. It's, it's ridiculous. And like her style is so, so good. And she's a very inspirational person. It's so, so distinctive. Um, yeah, my first shoot for Hanina, I can remember exactly what it was because it was another Nike shoot. Yeah. And we were both terrified because it was her first <laughs> yeah. it was her first shoot for a client as big as that. It was my first commercial assisting job. And uh literally she one of the lecturers uh, approached me in the middle of doing the unit that we do where we were assisting you guys. 
And so that was my first assisting experience. Do you oh, remember the, in the first in video. first in, no in first term the um, Saturday supplement? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was assisting someone. That was my first experience assisting. And then Julian comes up to me and is like, um, "I've got a, a, I've got, an, I've got an opportunity for you if you want it." And so straight away, I was like, "Yeah, great." And then I was like, "What is it?" And he was like, "Oh, it's a sh- um, ex student is is landed quite a big job." and needs an assistant and so put me in contact with Hanina and we both rocked up on set and we're like what the fuck is going on <laughs> it was such such a crazy day um and then I was I just remember being over the moon because it was my first it was paid and it was my first kind of commercial job and then I think that leads quite nicely you've got very strong views about working as a student creative and when you should work for free and when you shouldn't yeah. work for free. And I, yeah. I believe your mindset is that you should never work never. for free. I think, well, that my outlook on if you're creating like, okay, I for six months worked mm-hmm. in B&Q last year because yeah. I had no money. I worked in the warehouse. I was like packing boxes, putting boxes on the floor. I was getting paid like nine pounds an hour to do that. Yeah. If I can get paid nine pounds an hour to do like the shittiest job of just like moving boxes for four hours a day, like until like midnight, why should you not get paid for your creative endeavor? Yeah, I see. I see where you're coming from. But it's (laughs) it's, going to clash. It's it's a question of like obviously some of these brands. So like Nike, they're a big brand like B and Q. And so B&Q have a certain portion of budget set aside to pay their workforce, as do Nike when they're paying their creative team. Smaller brands may not necessarily have that budget. Mm. So they have the budget to pay their photographer, but they may not be able to allocate budget to pay an assistant or something like that. I think I think <clears throat> as, as a photographer, but then it's, it's like if, say for example, you were offered your dream shoot like it's completely hypothetical you're offered your dream shoot but they said and it was going to be published everywhere it was going to be and it's such a horrible word in this industry but it's going to be great exposure yeah yeah but there's no pay yeah would you take it uh probably yeah this, is, this is the argument it's, though it's, because it's, it's, like, it's, it's a complete hypothetical but you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot in a in a very competitive industry you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by saying oh i don't i don't want to work for free mm-hmm. and then somebody else comes along and takes it however my issue with that would be if you didn't challenge them not paying you because the moment that you work for somebody for free their idea is that everybody else is going to work for free yeah and then you fuck it for everybody else yeah i i agree and it's i think you should always try and shoot to get some sort of payment um whether that be you know a day rate an hourly rate uh on licensing on the images whatever um, but you know there are going to be situations where that isn't possible, and I think it's, um, I, I think it's, it's. I don't want to say dumb because I'm not calling you dumb, but I think in my head I'm like it's dumb to turn down an opportunity that would be good for you in a way to grow uh, through you know experience just because there's no pay. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean. If you, the thing is, these big companies like mm. Nike and Adidas and 
I don't know, BMW or whatever. They're, they're huge companies, like multi-million pound companies, the whole lot. When you get on set, there's no like big Nike logo walking around. There's there's like individual people yeah. who work for the company. So it becomes very sort of the big Nike thing becomes very small and relatable when you can finally look somebody in the eye. Yeah. So I think if you are working for free, you've got to absolutely smash it the first time. Don't imagine that when you're shooting, don't think, oh, I'm not getting paid, so I'm not going to put this much effort in. You've got to think, okay, if I absolutely knock their socks off with this stuff, this opportunity might open. We've kind of rattled on about pay for a long no, time. I think it's important because like, it's a, it's a, an industry where, you know, people got to eat. They got to like pay rent. Yeah, I think exactly. Especially students as well, like definitely get taken advantage of. And I, oh, I, I've been taken advantage of in the past because you, you want to do it and it's what you want to do in life. So why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, it's like I'm predominantly working freelance over the summer, but I'm technically working three jobs to, to support myself, you know, doing because I want to be doing this kind of creative thing. Whereas if I were to, you know, I could, I could sustain myself for the summer by, like you said, going to B&Q and getting a job there nine to like nine to six every day, like five days a week through the summer. But because I want to be doing this creative work, I'm, you know, I'm freelancing, assisting various photographers. I'm freelancing at a, at a studio. Uh, and then I am working part-time in a shop as well. And it's just, it's, I think it's such a different world as a creative that you have to kind of juggle all these things to make ends meet rather than, you know, just clocking in at your nine to five every day. Mm, quite. Yeah. Cause a lot of people don't realize that. And I think that's probably why when smaller companies are started, they just assume that they don't have to have budget to pay yeah. creatives. Yeah. And I'm sure some places don't anyway. So a bit of, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Goes a long way sometimes. Exactly. I think if you can create that, um, that rapport between you and somebody else, and you can, you can end up using those images and then go on to do other things and they get, you know, they get some nice pictures for their Instagram, whatever mm-hmm. they could lead on to other things. I just, I, I personally feel like if it's a bigger brand, then you should be getting money. Yeah, no, of course. Simple as that. Cause it's, it's like the, um, the graduate fashion week stuff that I shot for uni, obviously the fashion department at uni, we weren't paid for that, but then that content has reached a few people and I've, received a few opportunities from that that have been paid yeah quite um and so it's it's i think it's just a huge case of picking when like, it's pick, a big pick, balance, pick, balancing act yeah yeah pick, pick your battles i think yeah, is, sure. the, is yeah. the best way to kind of approach it yeah okay sam let's take a little break and then cool. we'll, yeah. we'll come back in a bit <laughs> While Sam and I carry on our heated discussion about getting paid, this is the perfect opportunity for you to just take a screenshot of yourself listening to the podcast and share it on social media. I'm really grateful for those of you who already kind of do this week to week, but it's a really useful way to get more people engaged and get people listening. The more people that listen, the more I can kind of pour into this and dedicate my time to it. And I'd love to carry on doing it and maybe even do more. So even if you just recommend it to one person this week, that really, really helps. And also everyone who's been leaving iTunes reviews, they're amazing because they help Apple and other kind of platforms see that 
people are listening to this and people are enjoying it. And so it helps them know that maybe it's something that they could be promoting. Thanks again, everyone who's been getting involved with promoting the podcast. And let's get back to it. We're, we're back. So during the during that little break, we actually carried on talking about rate and working for free. Uh, and we stumbled onto a really interesting point that I think is going to be relevant to a lot of creative people. And that is working for friends and family. And the, the trepidation that that brings with how easy it is to have a conversation with friends and family about pay. Um, because it, and it's it's also work life balance as well. So you said that you had a situation, or not situation, but a, a um, an opportunity with a friend of yours uh, asked you to do some. Was it behind the scenes stuff? Yeah, it was. It was so she had uh, like a pop up event. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just wanted some like content filmed for that, just just to like document it basically. And yeah. just I I sort of had my social media hat on. I was like, okay, so we're going to put this stuff on social media. It needs to look nice. It needs to be pretty clear about what's going on, like the story behind it, things like that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I ended up, she asked me what my my rate was. And I thought, well, number one, you, you're a student, so you probably can't really afford to pay anybody, let yeah. alone pay me what I would say is a reasonable day rate. Um, so I was like, you know, forget it. I'll, I'll come down. I'll do it for free. I'm not really going to use it in my portfolio. Um, so I just went down there, just like had an afternoon. It was only like a couple of hours. Um, it was literally a five minute drive down my, down the road. So yeah. just went to it, shot it. And then her boyfriend ended up paying me like, like 90 quid or something like that. Just yeah. to cover my, like my expenses, like two pound of petrol. Um, <laughs> and I, I think it was just as a, as a big thank you basically for doing it. Um, because they, they love the images. So that's that's an example of showing up, doing a good job. And mm-hmm. um, I, I I fully didn't expect anything. So that was just nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always nice when you're not expecting pay and then something comes out of nowhere. Mm. It's, we, we're talking as well about when word kind of trickles out through family and friends that you, you know, you know your way around a camera and you can produce good quality images or video or whatever it may be. And the trepidation of family and uh, like I was just saying about kind of work-life balance and where that line kind of falls because it's like, okay, mum, I'm going to preface this by saying I love doing a little bit of photography when we have get-togethers and stuff like that. But. (laughs) Don't ever ask me again. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's like, so say for, imagine 10, 15 years down the line, you're, you know, you're a jobbing photographer, Monday to Friday, you've been on set every day, you've been retouching every night. And then it's like Saturday pops round and it's like, oh, we're having a little get together. Can you bring your camera? I feel like the last thing I would want to do would be pick up my camera and what would be my downtime? Because it's like, yeah, obviously you're a photographer because you love taking photos and you love creating images, but it's it's again that kind of just that point of it's like it's the same with any profession i guess like if you were if you're an accountant and you spend all day you know in in your office working on other people's finances when you go home 
your finances are a mess because you just can't yeah. be bothered to yeah, sit and look at them because you're just it, like... Yeah. No, I understand, yeah. I think, again, it's that fine line between... I I love doing it. Uh-huh. There's just times I just really don't want to do it. Yeah. You just burn out and you don't, you don't want to like overstep the line with like doing it so much you get sick of it. You've definitely got to have that balance and you've got to have that like... Um, that, that competence and that, that ability to restrict yourself sometimes when mm-hmm. doing it too much. Yeah. Family occasions, um, important occasions like weddings are the big no-no. Do not ever ask a member of your family who is no. a photographer or a videographer or anything like that to take photos or do videos of your wedding <laughs> just because the pressure is so much. And, you know, if you want quality, you have to pay for quality. So when did music start for you? That was a really great segue there. (laughs) We've been talking um, for 25 minutes about... We've been talking for 25 minutes about (laughs) photography and money. Um, So Um, let's talk about something else. Music. music, uh, Since day one. Uh, Really? Both my parents are professional musicians. Oh, nice. A little plug here for mum and dad. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Mum's a viola player. Okay. In the London Philharmonic. Nice. Well, uh, not a member anymore. She was a member until I was born. Yeah. Um, So she now deps as a freelance musician mm-hmm. um, and she does West End shows and things like that. My dad is a trombone player. Um, they both went to the Royal Academy of Music and um, my dad's a, a West End player. So nice. uh, he does a lot of like Wicked, Lion King. Yeah. Um, did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when that was still on. Or Matilda, all, yeah. all of that lot. And it, people like say, oh, that's a, like a really cool job, um, which it is, but it's also very difficult and... Um, it's tiring. Like it's all uh, entertainment hours, you know. Um, yeah. Like you could be doing a double a matinee on on a Wednesday or whenever it is, and you can be in town from two thirty in the afternoon to you get home at about midnight. Some most nights, yeah. Mom, Dad. I was gonna say the majority of people aren't going to see uh, Wicked at two o'clock in the afternoon, are they? No. They're they're going in the evening. In when the evening they after work, work. So yeah. So anti-social hours, that's the word I was looking for, yeah. Um, But yeah, they're they're both incredible people. And they've, um, so I'm I'm a trombone player myself, bass bass trombone player and a piano player. Yeah, I've seen you playing the piano a lot on Instagram. Yeah, my my, my girlfriend started uh, recording me without me realising. Yeah, nice. Um, And it sounds a shit, (laughs) in my opinion. (laughs) I mean, no, I think as someone who has, I mean, I, I I played the drums for probably 10 years or so and then went to uni uh obviously couldn't take a kit with me and it just kind of fell mm. off but like the drums are the least technical instrument and so whenever i see anyone playing an instrument that requires even the slightest amount of skill yeah. i'm like no matter what you're doing i'm like it's incredible um and so i think i think playing the piano especially because there is so much kind of dexterity and you know memory and skill that is needed in playing the piano have you ever done do you just kind of teach yourself have you ever had lessons or yeah I mean, so obviously from your parents but funny enough i've never been taught by either of my really parents. i do well i've had like the odd one off with my dad just yeah. because like i've had like an audition or an assessment coming up or something mm-hmm. like that and he just gives me a bit of guidance but i just really i, I can't do it like no it's like Dad, leave yeah, me alone. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I had uh, a piano teacher at school, um, and uh, and uh, I've had many like trombone teachers over the years just because of moving around schools and things like that. Yeah. Um, and when I left school, I stopped having lessons. 
and stop doing grades and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I never enjoyed doing grades anyway. I don't think they're a way of measuring somebody's ability at playing an instrument. I think it's an, an ability to learn like any exam, like just to learn a set criteria. And I don't, I don't think there's any sort of musicianship involved. They want to hear the notes in the right place and that, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's um, the same with kind of school exams. It's, you know, it's, it's a way of measuring a very particular kind of learning. It's like, obviously not everyone excels at written exams and the way exams are done in schools on kind of typical subjects in the same way that you could be the most incredible, you know, musician in the world, but couldn't get past like grade one of the, mm, yeah. the kind of um, grading system within music, just because it's not the way you, you learn or the way you can, you can kind of put things together. Mm. But funnily enough, talking about playing drums as well, I do play drums. Yeah. So I have like an electric kit at home that I never had any lessons for. Because right. my, my brother started playing drums. He had he had lessons and he had the kit and then he stopped having lessons and I stole it. Yeah. Um, so that's now in my room. And I just sort of started teaching myself two, three years ago and just been playing it pretty much every single day. Yeah. For like, even for like 15, 20 minutes. Um. And I, I definitely think there's a lot more to be said about picking up an instrument because you want to. Yeah. As opposed to picking up an instrument and thinking, right, I've got this. I'm going to do, I'm going to do all the grades. I'm going to do. It's the same with it. I feel like it's the same with anything. Yeah. It's like. You do it because if, you want to. If you like, if, if, if going back to f- photography and creative things, if you are like, I want to go into photography because I want to be shooting celebrities for big magazines and make a lot of money one you're not going to make a lot of money and two it's just the wrong way to approach something i think you should you should never approach something with the view that you want to obviously approach it with the view that you want to excel at it but don't approach it with the view of being like oh i want to be the next annie Leibovitz," or you know it's approach it because it's something you want to pursue and you want to enjoy and I think that any kind of success from it will come naturally. It's how, how you measure success pretty much in, in your True. own, in your yeah. own head. I think if you, you know, you can measure success in grades and qualifications and things, but at the end of the day, if you feel like you've achieved something, then yeah. that's, you've, you've been successful in my opinion. Well, that little, little yeah. nugget of wisdom oh, yeah. from Sam. I'm not, it's, it's all in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned your girlfriend earlier, Sophia. Yes. Um, so let's let's talk about that a little bit because you were in a quite a long distance relationship for a while. Probably about as far as you can get. Yeah, as far as you can like get. Next stop, the moon, kind of thing. I feel like the moon is easier to get to because that's kind of a direct flight. There's no, there's no. So, <laughs> yeah, so no, no stopovers. So um, where's Sophia from? So Sophia's from New Zealand. Yeah, she was born in Hamilton, um, and lives in what well, lived in Wellington. Uh huh. Um, and we met. It's a very weird story i'm here for Um, it i want to hear it everybody loves this story um it's so i i have a friend from a few years ago a musician put us in touch who was best friends with this girl in iceland they went to school together in iceland Uh, okay sorry the icelandic girl lived in the uk they went to school together in the uk right icelandic girl goes back to iceland Mm -hmm. for her teenage years and university and things like that during her time in university, this Icelandic girl called Astros, she Hang had on a minute. Astros. A-S-T-R-O-S. Ast- 
Is that right? Astros. That's a strong name. It is. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a nice name. I like it. Rolls off the tongue. It's a, it's a real like that's a that's a protagonist name. Like that is like, it's <laughs> like, like Shakespearean. Like teenage, teenage fiction protagonist name. Yeah, for sure. Um and uh anyway, she went and did an exchange in New Zealand uh for a year or so and she lived with Sophia's family. Right. Um Sophia subsequently, I think the year after she did the same thing in Argentina for a year. Okay. Um but anyway, Alstros last year got married. Actually, what's the day today? It's the twenty seventh. I oh, think. I think in in a couple of days it's the 28th. time. Twenty eighth. It would have been exactly a year since the wedding day. Really. So funny, funny enough, like a few days ago, it was the first time a year ago that Sophia and I met. Right. Um, and uh, basically, what happened was Sophia's family got invited to the wedding. Mm-hmm. My friend from the UK, who was best friends with the Icelandic girl, um, their photographer dropped out from the wedding. And she asked me to come photograph the wedding. This is going to sound wholly <laughs> unprofessional. We've come full circle we back have. to photographing friends and family weddings. <laughs> um, so this Icelandic family, like, invite me over for, like, nearly two weeks just to stay with them. And at the end of it, like, photograph this wedding. So I spent, like, two weeks, like, gallivanting around Iceland. Nice. With Sophia. Um, and we, we just get on, like, a house on fire. Yeah. And... Uh, it turned out recently, Sophia only told me this like literally a week ago, that my friend from the UK told, um, no, Astros told my friend from the UK that Sophia is like the female version of me, right. like into, <laughs> into photography, into music, yeah, um, very artistic, things like that. So that she was very disappointed when nothing happened in Iceland, basically. Yeah. Was the, it's starting to sound like the, the whole thing was orchestrated for you two to meet there. By somebody. Astros's marriage is a sham. It's just, <laughs> it was all done so that you two could meet. It's the Icelandic gods. <laughs> so like, so, so you met in Iceland. Met in Iceland. And then I went home uh-huh. after the wedding. And I was, I was Naturally, on the, I was, yeah, well, yeah, of course, I was going to we're married now. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I went home and on the plane home, I was like, what is happening? Um, yeah. It's going to get mushy. It's going to get mushy in a minute. Right, so I was like, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I really like this girl. Um, of course, it's like completely stupid that like mm. she lives in New Zealand. I live in the UK, like literally opposite ends of the planet. Yeah. Um, like exactly, like they're 12 hours ahead. I think they're 12 hours ahead. Yeah. That's the difference anyway. So it's literally half and half. And um, uh, uh, we sort of stayed in touch after the wedding for a few days. And then Sophia was doing a bit of traveling around Europe with her family. And she ended up in Madrid. And I I think Fia sort of, um, Fia's my friend from the UK. Uh-huh. She sort of put to... Sophia and her brother, who Fia was getting along with. Right. And uh, the, she, she was just like, oh, we've got a free weekend. Do you want to come over to England and spend like, spend like four or five days in London? And Sophia was like, yeah. And so we spent four or five days in London together and the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. And um, anyway, at the end of that, Sophia went home to New Zealand, um, which was li- possibly the hardest thing I've ever done is saying goodbye to somebody who you're literally like, stay, please. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we we stayed in touch. And then a couple of months later, we were like, okay, 
clearly this this isn't gonna just dissipate this isn't gonna be like a oh this this thing happened in london blah 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 yeah um it wasn't like a holiday romance yeah no there was something there and uh we we ended up starting a long distance relationship um i got a job like a at at bnq yeah um i worked monday to friday um 6 p.m till gone 10 p.m Mm -hmm. usually i'd end up coming home about sort of half 11 um every single day and I managed to gather up enough money to get myself a plane ticket to New Zealand. And then I think it was mid-March, I flew to New Zealand. So this this time scale, so she sort of left. I was going to say, everything seems like it's happened so quickly. Mm. And she's now living over here, right? She is, yes. How long, how long ago did she move here? So I think it's like, so, so basically what happened was I, I went to New Zealand, spent three weeks with Sophia in New Zealand. Yeah. But a few months before that, um, we we were sort of like, well, I'm going to come see you for three weeks. We're, uh, what's going to happen after that? Sophia's like, well, I, my plan before I met you anyway, was to come to the UK. I was, so I, was like, I was literally just about to ask you, was her plan always to move to the UK yeah. or did that kind to of, because otherwise there'd be a lot riding on this. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I said, well, why don't you come back with me? on the same flight that I'm getting out of New Zealand. So she was like, fuck yeah. And uh, yeah, so I went to New Zealand. We spent three weeks um, road tripping around New Zealand. She came back with me on the flight, um, which is nice to have some company on the way back. Yeah, the, on the say, way there, like, it was a horrendous. Long, long flight. Like 36 hours on a plane. Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of flying anyway. I can't imagine 36 hours on a plane. No, it, it's... Uh, it's a challenge. There's only, <laughs> it's there's only so many times challenge. you can watch whatever films are, are on there. <laughs> yeah. The lady in front of me decided she was going to do the, oh, I'm going to put my seat back trick. Love and that. And ended up with the screen about three inches away from yeah, my face. Yeah, yeah. I was like struggling to uh, and <laughs> you're, watch you're, any films. You're like me, you're a tall guy as well. So yeah. having anyone in front of you who just wants to recline all the way back is... It's not a fun time. Um, so Sophia is now living in the UK with me. Uh-huh. I'm I'm living at home at the moment. Yeah. Just because I'm just money, money problems. Well, not money problems. I just haven't got any. Um, and uh, so we're looking at flats in London and we're going to move up there probably like September time. Yeah. And she, she's a graphic designer. She'll probably kill me for saying she's a graphic designer. She's a, <laughs> a designer. So she studied design at university. Right. Um, and is a very talented designer. So she's fully, like, overly qualified to just pick up any role she's given. Right. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She used to work for this big company in New Zealand called Trade Me. Okay. Which is like, um, the, the, the best way I can describe Trade Me is like Zoopla, LinkedIn, eBay, all mashed into one app. How does that work? So they have like Trade Me jobs, Trade Me sales, I think. Yeah. You like bid and on employees. Trade me, yeah, yeah, trade <laughs> me. Um, I've said trade me jobs, sales. Oh, trade me property. Right. Um, so it's basically like, I don't know, trade me jobs is like LinkedIn. Yeah, it's like um, Costco for all the essentials of life rather than pretty just much. And a yeah. Kilo bag of Haribo. Quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so she, she was a, a mobile designer for trade me. Mm-hmm. Um, they call it product design. I right. think we would call it like app design, software design. Okay, yeah, like UX, um, UI. Yeah, right. yeah, that's that's basically what she was doing. So, 
so she's done that. Um, she had a couple of design jobs before that, and now she's coming over to the UK, looking at design agencies, pro- probably in Shoreditch. That's where everything is at the moment. Yeah, that's the the place to be. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's sort of that story. That's that's the story, that's of, story. of Sam and Sophia. Well, Sophia, I'm, if you're listening, I really hope you enjoyed hearing your entire life <laughs> broadcast to um, whoever is listening to this. So we've got, as always, a few questions. I always put out a little a little plea for for questions for people who come on for here content. and are kind enough to for sit good and, content. kind <laughs> enough to come and sit with me. First one is from a name that I fear is going to send shivers down your spine after the last episode of the podcast. Nico. Uh, <laughs> Nico would like to know, how can I be tall? I feel like that's a question for both of us. How can I be tall? So I, I, I listened to the second episode the other day in the car <laughs> with my girlfriend. So what I'm going to say to you, Nico, is what you do before you go to sleep. <laughs> that was me. I said, I was, <laughs> you're going to get down on your knees and you're going to, you're going to pray to be taller. <laughs> and, and also you've got to be better in the bedroom as well. Better in the bedroom. That, eat that's how you get taller. <laughs> Does eat, eat, Nico eat, not eat crust? I don't know. It's just oh. a, it's just a, that was always what I was told. Eat, eat the crusts. Crust. Um, I don't know who doesn't eat their crusts. Pizza, sandwich crusts, any crusts. Oh, yeah. Peas what as well. Peas. Eating peas. Oh, makes, eat your peas. Makes you grow up big and strong like us one day. Peas don't have crusts. No, peas don't have crusts. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just keep keep doing what you're doing, Nico. I think maybe once once you hit 45, maybe you'll you'll... You'll yeah. gain another You'll couple another of inches. Little spurt. Yeah, a little spurt. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should start calling Nico. Little spurt. Little spurt. <laughs> there you go, Nico. Um, Cam would like to know what is your strangest photo shoot experience. Uh, I know this. Um, so I did. <laughs> I a, hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, this this the first thing that came to mind. I went to this like meet to- and greet at this fancy fashion school in um, East London. Mm-hmm. And which met, school? Go on, name drop. Oh, I really, I really shouldn't do it. Okay, is the oh okay? I'm not going to mention who it was for, but the, the one of the girls had graduated from the uh, Marangoni School, right? The Instituto Marangoni, which is like this massive, very um, much so. If if you've got the money, you can go there. Yeah. And uh, anyway, she had graduated, and we we did this shoot. I think I can't remember what it was. I think she was expanding her portfolio or something like that. And it's not weird. It was just, I wasn't prepared for it. Right. Um, it was like this sort of futuristic clothing style. Sure. And one of the looks was this model who was in like, just like this bikini thing. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the clothing was like tape all down, like like one line of colored tape down her leg, uh-huh. like, like half an inch thick and like all over like each part of like each limb. And then nothing else apart from that. Okay. So, <laughs> like, obviously, like, bottom half was covered up and top half was exposed, which is fine. Like, I totally understand that. And, you know, I was there as a photographer. you got to just get on with it, mm-hmm. like, professional. I just feel like I <laughs> should have been given it some been fair nice warning. would have been Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I turned up with the idea, like, okay, um, it's going to be sort of fairly uh, modern take on fashion, things like that. And it's, it could get a little bit weird. It just got a lot more... <laughs> naked than i was expecting yeah um which is fine like i i i didn't um i i i, I didn't process the images myself anyway so okay yeah i just took you the images handed them over. Long. she did them um or she decided which ones she wanted i sent, I sent those ones over 
and and that was that basically. So it's not it's not the the nudity side of it. It was the fact that I I wasn't expecting it to be yeah. that, and I was a bit like I like literally was setting up a light, turn around, and there's this girl who's just completely naked in the middle of the studio. <laughs> I was like, hang on a sec. Um, but yeah, you, you, you sort of remain you, you remain professional the whole way through, and you just get on with the job. Um, you know, everybody's naked at some point in their life or other. But yeah, I just feel like the mental preparation for that. It was the first time I'd done that, basically, um, it, it, for for somebody else. Anyway, so I, I think mine isn't necessarily a strange experience. I'm just always amazed by how many models don't know their left from right. I don't know whether ma- maybe it's me that doesn't know my left from right because every time I'm like, oh, can you just like shuffle a little bit to the left? They go the other way. <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm like, no, no, other left, like yeah. every single time. I feel like there needs to be some ground rules enforced the moment you step yeah. into the studio. It's like when I say left, I mean right. Start using like port and starboard or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Instead yeah, of left and starboard. right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean by that. Speak of the devil, Hanina wants oh, to know no. who loves working with me the most. Uh I'd have to say you. I think you probably love me? working with her the most. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, we did. We um, Hanina's brilliant. Like she's got me some very good gigs in the past. Yeah. Um, and I, I I've always enjoyed assisting Hanina. Um, we've been on some really good shoots. We we've been on some like really shit shoots. Um, and I'll just say her positivity and the way she works just keeps everybody going on the shoot. She loves a good chat as well, so there's never any awkward silences. Yeah. No, exactly. Um. Hanina, I think Sam's bigged you up enough, so I'm just going to say, yeah, yeah. You're, you're okay. You're all right you're at what right. you do. Cam wants to know, so obviously you're a, you're a videographer, so I'm going to assume that you're maybe interested in film and movies and things like that. I'm a big movie nerd myself. Uh, what is the most irritating movie trope to you? Um, irritate. I thought you were going to ask me what my favourite film was then. Sure, um, we'll have that as well. well I'll say, ask that question in Lion King. Without really? Doubt. Lion King. Okay. Anybody, I've probably just been laughed out of the room then. But Lion King, <laughs> hands down. I, mean, I love the music, the storyline, the characters, and just everything comes together. Perfect film. Okay. Um, But biggest movie trope? Uh, that you find the most irritating. Okay, so there's there's a few things that I, I can't figure out the biggest one. There's mm-hmm. a few things. Number one is crunchy color grading like you know like t- 2000s like um what's his name uh he's the, the dude with the bald head bruce willis bruce willis film say, you like, really didn't narrow it down for me <laughs> bruce willis film color grading where it's just yeah. like everything's very green very contrasty yeah it's just over such it just that annoys me but that's a very specific time period but there's two ends to that because i i feel like but then I guess Wes, Wes Anderson films are really, really good color grading. Everything is just stunning visually with color. Um, sorry, I've thrown you off. Keep going. No, no, no. I, I, I think I've only ever seen one Wes Anderson film. I just find them a bit creepy. I think that's why I like them. <laughs> I just, the, the whole like googly eye thing freaks me out a little bit. Um, yeah. Second movie trope would be, you know, Netflix dramas. Mm-hmm. First of all, I I know they're not like directly made by Netflix. They're just um, broadcast by, by them. Yeah, <laughs> being 
out there and wacky for the sake of being out there and wacky. So I know that Black okay. Mirror set the bar for like fucking with people's heads with in episodes. I feel like there's definitely a trend of people like, how weird can we make this? Yeah. Um, what do you think of the new series of Black Mirror? Have you seen it yet? I've only seen a couple of episodes. I saw the one where the dude, definitely like a social commentary on in uh, Twitter. Um, the guy who was in Sherlock. I can't yeah, remember yeah, his yeah. name. Yeah, um, Andrew Scott. Yeah. And that, that was excellent. That was very well done. Bit of a disappointing ending. Yeah, I, I think I've seen a lot of people say the new season of Black Mirror is it's it's great, but it's not Black Mirror. Mm. It's it's just not what the kind of first few seasons were. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see where it kind of goes from now on. I think my biggest pet peeve with movies is... Um, especially in comedies and romantic comedies and stuff, it's portraying women as stupid. Mm. Like I feel like all the time in, and a lot of people hated it, but I really, really loved the new Ghostbusters with the all female cast. I haven't seen it. Because it was just such a good, it was maybe slightly over egged at times, but it was just such a good role reversal of having like the male secretary played by uh, Chris Hemsworth being the ditzy one. And, you know, the the leads, the all-female leads were the ones that were screwed on and kind of had mm, an idea yeah. of what was going on. Um, mm. I think that's my biggest pet peeve in, in movies. Ira wants to know, why do you do what you do? I think we'll, we'll end on a, on a um, what, oh, what is it? Like an existential crisis. A philosophical <laughs> note. What, what do I, why do I do what I do? Um, I would say because it's fun. Okay. And uh, that seems like a bit of a childish response, but in everything that sort of goes on with all like the industry and money and politics and all all this noise that mm-hmm. goes on, the feeling that I get when I'm on set or like I'm editing a picture or I know that I've taken a really good picture, yeah, or it's like a really nice shot in a in a in a video. Is just like really childish excitement. So I think that's probably the reason that I do it is that little bit of that little chemical change that happens when you get excited. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, I feel like in the creative industry, it's like, there is a reason that we are in this industry and it's because I personally, I could not bear to be sat in an office nine to five, Monday to Friday. I can't think of anything worse. Uh, and it's, yeah, so it's like you said, it's, it's, it's that fun, that fun factor. Yeah, for sure. Um, so why do I do what I do? Again, fun um, to try things out, make myself uncomfortable. I think that's the biggest kind of catalyst for growth in in doing things. I think if you make yourself as uncomfortable as you can, um, you can only kind of grow from an experience. I guess for the podcast, why did I start doing this? Is I felt like there weren't maybe weren't enough privileged white men sharing their opinion on the internet. So I thought I'd probably, I'd stick my two cents in as well. Yeah. But you, you uh, what, what happened in the other, we were chatting and we, we were having a really good conversation about something. I was like, <laughs> and you were like, save, save it for, it for the, the podcast. podcast. And it's just that, that meme of it's like two white men talking and it's yeah. like, it's like, save it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, Sam, thank you so much for no sitting worries. with me. Where, where can people find you online? Uh, at Sam V Holt. Yep. 
I'm not going to tell you what the V stands for. Okay. Um, not that's, Vendetta. That's, that, no, it's a secret. <laughs> and uh, no, no, only one person knows what the V stands for. Is it, um, is it a middle name? It is a middle name. Or is it Vladimir or something? It's very <laughs> like weirdly close. Yes. That that sort of area. I'm not Russian. But, okay. Um, uh, and then my uh, my automotive account is Sam V8 Holt. Strong. Good because, use of pun work. Yeah, there. I quite like it. Uh, and you can find me personally online at Mr. Harry Adams and the podcast is on Instagram now as well. Uh, so you can find that at Chats in My Flat and on Twitter at CIMF Podcast. And so thank you, Sam. No worries. And been... I look forward to maybe having you back sometime yeah. soon. First time as a guest. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. 